coffee, company and cards. In a society where loneliness is now classified as a health issue, it's a winning combination for these elders. They've got something many people crave, a sense of community. On the afternoon, SBS visits the Cypress Club. There are 40 people in the club's dining room, eating lunch and dancing to a band playing traditional Greek music. Statues of Greek gods and goddesses line the staircase and old photos of past members hang on the walls among a colour scheme of blue and white. When I come to Cafe Neo, I found my identity. You know, just I see people, we, we play cards with no money, obviously, and we enjoy the company. We talk about the, the past, sometimes good stories, sometimes sad stories, but it's... it's you know, when you when you are in in your your environment, you found yourself more comfortable. You know, doesn't matter. I'm up here 46 years, 47, but you know, you feel more comfortable when you when you are involved. I mean, uh, surround with your your culture. Emilios does a 120-kilometre round trip a couple of times a week from Penrith on Sydney's western fringe to the Cypress Club in inner-city Stanmore. He's with about 50 other men sitting around tables in the basement of the club playing cards not for money, he insists. It's an attempt to replicate a life left behind almost 50 years ago when a civil war erupted in Cyprus between Greek and Turkish Cypriots. Yeah, it was terrible. We just left our houses and we lost friends, relatives during the war. I was in the war too, yeah, and I was an injured, but I see people die. In a, I see soldiers die, you know, just... Uh, it was terrible. It was uh, very traumatic. But lucky, I was lucky to, to, to be alive and survive. The Cypress Club is one of more than 6,400 registered clubs in Australia. The list includes not-for-profit, licensed and registered clubs with a variety of governance structures. Places like RSL clubs, bowling clubs and some sporting clubs are also on the list, as well as the so-called ethnic clubs. They're unique in Australia, set up by post-war European migrants as community spaces and in many cases football clubs before evolving into licensed venues and some date back even further. Sport historian Roy Hay is a former academic at Deakin University in Victoria who has spent his career researching the history of club culture in Australia. In the post-war period, you got various groups of migrants who formed clubs based really on their heritage rather than the um, suburb or town on which they um, landed in Australia. And uh, that was something that goes back as far as the 1880s. Established in 1929, the Cypress Community Club also has a football team that dates back decades. It's currently called the Inner West Hawks FC, but was formerly known as Cypress United. Mr Hay says in most cases, the birth story of these migrant clubs parallels the development of football in Australia. Some of the clubs that were formed at that time 
had names that related to their heritage. So the Scots and the Northern English were the first um, groups who formed clubs with that background. But really the explosion, you could say, of um, development of the game in the post-war period was very much linked to the successive waves of migration we had from... um, traditional sources like the United Kingdom, but added to by um, groups from continental Europe. The link between the two, though, has come under scrutiny in recent years, and that's because in 2014, a then-Football Federation Australia policy banned clubs from using names, emblems, logos, or anything else with ethnic, religious, political or racial connotations. But in 2019, the unpopular policy was reversed in the name of inclusivity. And while football still plays a major role in many of these clubs, it's no longer the thread that will ensure their future survival. Andrew Costa is the current president of Cyprus Community of New South Wales Limited, which runs the Cyprus Club. He says beyond football, the club functioned as a meeting place for post-war migrants. I was born into the club. My, my parents uh, came to Australia in 1950 and uh, straight away they uh, joined the club. And uh, the club for them, uh, for our family, was um, a refuge, you, you might say a refuge, because in the early days, like most migrants, they were working two and three jobs at a time. And uh, when they did get a break on Sunday, uh, they'd come to the club, meet friends and family, uh, and have a bit of a break from uh, a tough life early on. Kiriakos Vasilis has been a member of the club since 1958 and he's the longest serving member still alive. His association with clubs dates back to the 1950s when he joined the soccer team of another club, prompting a lifelong connection to various ethnic clubs. In 1957, I represented the Greek community on the Panhellenic Games in Adelaide. And this club in particular is still a big part of his life. In the corner of the basement is an old barber's chair. Kiriakos is giving one of the other members a trim. Oh, any time when I come up, I give the other boys a haircut. Most of the time, I don't even charge them. The reality, though, is many smaller clubs, and not just those set up by migrants, are struggling to survive. Clubs New South Wales estimates that in their state alone, around 33% of clubs are financially in the red. The Cyprus Club is now trying to cater to the children and grandchildren of Greek Cypriot immigrants and refugees by offering Greek language and dance lessons. The club also recently elected a new board, and it's trying to attract more locals, whatever their background. But like other clubs, the club is experiencing a downturn due to its ageing membership base, its location and the area's changing demographic. The COVID-19 pandemic also saw many smaller clubs struggle. Andrew Costa describes the Cyprus Club as asset-rich but cash-poor. He says apart from what he describes as the pokey palaces, normal community clubs like the Cypress Club are finding it very difficult to survive. The people you see here are the ones who built this club Um, and they built uh, quite a uh, valuable asset uh, here at Stanmore. Uh, We have about 10,000 square metres of land. Uh, We're asset rich but cash poor. Uh, 
Um, now, as far as the generational change um, goes, we are looking to use those assets to rebuild the club, uh, to offer facilities beyond what you see here, to offer modern restaurants, uh, gymnasiums, and other facilities to bring in uh, those uh, second, third, fourth generations back to the club. One of the priorities for the club, Mr Costa says, is to complete a rezoning process, a process that has been going on for a number of years. I think it's a benefit to the council and the local community that we redevelop this site. Uh, If not, if we're not successful uh, and a developer comes in, you may end up with high-rise towers. And in part two of In the Club, we'll meet one club that has gone down the development route and another choosing to keep things small. Peggy Giacomelos, SBS News.